Hey, this is Tommy Wiseau, and you're listening to Cinesnap broadcast and podcast and whatever you call it. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Again, this is Tommy Wiseau. Give support these guys. They need you. They are good people. Bye. <laughs> hey, this Cinesnap podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Alamo Drafthouse has an event coming up in partnership with the ATX Festival. They're bringing dinosaurs, mastermind Michael Jacobs. You remember dinosaurs, Kiko? The way, wait, wait. oh yeah, I didn't even know the um, the theme song. It went something like, anyway, he's also the creator of Boy Meets World, <laughs> Girl Meets World, Charles in Charge, and My Two Dads. Do you know any of those sitcoms, Cody? I've heard them, I've never seen them. Not the mama. You, I can't believe you don't know Boy Meets World. No, that was a little bit before my time. I don't. Believe, I don't buy that though, because it's been in syndication for so long. I thought it was your life. I thought that yeah, was I thought, your life. This is the Cody Viafania story. Boy meets world. <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he's coming to the Alamo Draft House to host three episodes of Dinosaurs. So they're screening three episodes of Dinosaurs. Awesome. I haven't seen Dinosaurs in probably twenty years. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. In the 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 Q and A's in Austin, and they're beaming them into all of these. Theaters around uh, around Texas. The Alamo Draft House. Draft House. Yeah, so you can see this on Sunday, June seventh, uh, at one p.m. at Alamo Draft House, Stone Oak, here in San Antonio. And tickets are five dollars. Five bucks to go watch dinosaurs with the creator of dinosaurs. My brother used to have uh, the doll that talked, the, ba- the baby, the baby, um, baby my, Sinclair, right? Yeah. My friend, uh, my friend, um, took a tour of the Henson Studios out in L.A. His mm-hmm. wife shoots there a lot, and uh, he has a picture of himself. Uh, manipulating some like digital puppet that they have, mm-hmm. and behind him, like in just a like a shitty warehouse, is Baby Sinclair, like the Baby Sinclair <laughs> puppet. Nice. And I was like, wait a minute, that's just sitting somewhere. And he said, yep, it's all over the place. There's Baby Sinclair in the high chair, like the real thing. I'm so, trying to remember with my because I used to watch that like religiously. I believe it was on TGIF for a while. Yeah, yeah, it was. Man, that something like that would not go over well today at all. <laughs> you don't think so? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was pretty bold. Uh, some like live live action puppets, you know, full size animatronic. Right. That was right after Ninja Turtles was a huge hit and everything. So. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I would watch it. Anyway, you can go watch uh, three episodes of it with uh, creator Michael Jacobs hosting a Q&A at Alamo Drafthouse. That, again, that is Sunday, June 7th, 1 p.m. here in San Antonio at Stone Oak. Tickets are just five bucks. Let's go ahead and start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the Internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Okay. Okay. No. They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And <laughs> Muppets is, are puppets. This is gonna... <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... It's uh, Feig. I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster Hulk armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. Kiko. We were starting uh, talking before the show started about your VHS collection that we can finally see today. Oh yeah, I was 
cleaning stuff out. Well, actually, I was trying to get a list of the action movies that I have. Oh, oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> In case you can't tell, there is a thunderstorm outside right wow. now. I thought I found I thought I found somebody who wanted to to take some of the my VHS uh, tapes off my hands. That which, I think that was nature telling you to get rid of them. <laughs> Take not them. just some of them, all of them. Quit moving them from house to house. <laughs> you don't even have a VCR. I do have a VCR. It's I do right too. there on the bottom. Oh, it's put away too. Yeah, it's in there. I was curious if you had any kind of um, like when you would buy VHS, if you had any kind of discerning taste when it came to it, because you have an awful lot. Uh, well, I mean, I started back in you know when I was a teenager, so I'm sure my taste changed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you have hackers? I don't know when I got that. Some see the reason that I keep moving them around is that some of them have like sentimental value, you know. Yeah, and, like, I, I keep my like Star Wars VHS and right. I, you bought it when it. Well, I don't know. What's <laughs> VHS? <laughs> uh, just stands kidding. for Video Home System. It does for real. Uh, yeah, I have a few of those too. Like ones my parents got me. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I was so pissed because I used to have the original Batman with. There was there's a different um, entry or an opening to the Batman. You're talking you know. about the uh, the Diet Coke commercial? No, it was uh, Pizza Hut. Oh, that then the Diet Coke. Yeah, that's right. That's Pizza, right. There's a Pizza Hut Pizza one. Pizza Hut was on Ninja Turtles. Oh, you're right. That's right. It was we were down to our last Diet Coke. That's right. It was Alfred. It was Michael Cal. So I used to have that one, but uh, when it got destroyed or broke or got stolen or whatever i bought another one and it doesn't have it uh i do have a, an original copy of that too it's not my original copy but i found it sealed at a used bookstore nice. for like a dollar and it's super heavy the batman <laughs> i don't know what they how they change vhs tapes like in the 90s they got they got way lighter but this one is so heavy it needed a little heft to, <laughs> yeah. back then when you're Buying it for twenty six ninety nine. <laughs> you got to make it feel like you got your money's worth. Twenty six ninety nine back then, and now it's you can't even get it for you can't even sell it for a quarter. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy VHS for a quarter. So, well, again, I was trying. I found somebody that wanted to take a couple off my hands, but um, we'll see what happens. The price wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to episode forty seven of the Sin Not Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. and I'm Kiko Martinez. Hey, uh, do you have a copy of Dazed and Confused in there? I don't actually. That's funny. Well, we just had a screening of Dazed and Confused. We did this past Monday. Yeah. Um, I at Alamo Draft House Park North. It was a quote along. Uh, I had not seen the movie in probably 20 years, yeah, and I didn't remember being a big fan of it back when I was 15, 16, mm. but man, that's a really great movie, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. That was my, I, I don't think I said it, but uh, that was my first time watching the movie, and... Uh, you didn't say it there, because you would have gotten I would have got my ass kicked, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah... I, paddled. <laughs> Freshman. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um... It was very much, you know, uh, uh, what I've come to know from watching Linklater's most recent movies. And I think the way I described it to you was there was a certain quality behind Boyhood when uh, when Mason was like start turned like fifteen, sixteen, and started be- becoming this like philosophical, full of shit teenager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was kind of like that part of Boyhood stretched out for <laughs> yeah. two hours. Yeah. Um, and so I love the – there's a lot of um, – you know, it's it's kind of aimless in its plot in that there's no real plot behind it's it. It's just the last day of school. Yeah, it's just the last day of school moving throughout people. And um, and I just love the – like the like I said, the 
the pseudo uh, God, it's so it's so early. I can't pseudo philosophical pseudo philosophical stuff. Well, it's like Adam Goldberg, yeah, uh, who uh, didn't go on to do a whole lot more, but he kind of. Him and uh, I don't remember the other guy's name, but the uh, Melissa Ribisi, Giovanni Ribisi's sister, is the the woman. Oh, I didn't know that. Girl. Yeah, the redhead. Mm. I got to find out that actor's name because he's been in a lot of stuff. I yeah. just can't remember his name. Right uh, now. Anyway, they they kind of spend the the movie as outcasts, just wondering why they're not more popular. And Anthony yeah. Rapp was the was the actor's okay. name. Yeah. But yeah, I, those that those were actually my favorite characters in the movie. I loved anytime yeah. uh, they were together. And um, you know the the and it was a legit quote along, which was the first one I've been to that was in the exact spirit of the quote along. So it, it's you know the quote shows up before it's said, and then it goes through kind of like a like a karaoke thing yeah. where it will um, it will just run across the screen. The, the, I was I was we were sitting next to an, an older guy. Yeah, I hope they're was, listening. Who I don't know. It was <laughs> I guess it was a, a father and son. Yeah. And they had the big uh, growler, Alamo Draft House growler beer. And the guy could not have been having a better time. Yeah. And, I mean, he was talking an awful lot. I didn't care. Yeah. Because he's just, like, and po- it reminded me of my dad, like, pointing out the cars, like, oh, a 68 Pontiac. You yeah. Know, and things like that. Uh, <laughs> so he's just had the best, the best fucking time. Yeah, that guy was awesome because we knew that we, like, that's how I know that we picked the right movie because of that one guy. Yeah. Just, just enjoying every single second. Yeah, it seemed experience. like he hadn't seen it before either. Yeah, I don't think he had. Yeah, so it kind of was a reminder of his youth, I guess. Yeah, the 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 only thing that was weird was that the um, some of the quote selection was a little odd uh, as far as what they what they choose to put on the screen. I thought there were some good quotes that were not on the screen, hmm. but I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but I I think it was. Really well received. I didn't realize they put the quotes on the screen for people to read. Yeah. I thought it was just you're supposed to know what the quotes are. Yeah. Uh, that's what <clears throat> our peewee screening was was that way because Warner Brothers doesn't allow – I think Alamo Drafthouse creates these these copies of the film mm-hmm. with, the, with the captioning embedded on them. Oh. Uh, but, you know, everybody that's watching it knows it anyway. There was pr- some pretty long quotes in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really great movie, and you went out the next day and bought it on Blu-ray. I did, along with Boyhood. Yeah, I went I went for the Richard Linklater duo. I like I you was got the bookends. I was stunned by how great the music is in Days and Confused. Yeah. Like it is just like I'm, I'm like one fantastic song after another. It's it was impressive, and we had a really good crowd. We had about a hundred people. Yeah, which is. Um, which is great. I mean, uh, it was it was really well received and uh, very enthusiastic crowd. The launching pad that this movie is for so many people that went on to do other things is yeah. pretty incredible. Well, you and I went in uh, after the movie. We're talking about McConaughey and, yeah. and how. Well, you get yeah, because you had never seen it and you didn't realize that like the root of everything that is Matthew McConaughey came right. from this movie. Like even the like the way he fucking acts. And, yes. Like you and Swagger. you and I were, I think you said something like, I think McConaughey just kind of showed up and <laughs> and was just on set and like, hey, are we filming? Yeah, yeah I'm just acting, and he just car- he carries it through like the rest of his career. Yeah, like that's him. Like yeah. that is him. Mm-hmm. Like he's going full McConaughey in his very first thing. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it set the stage for everything that came afterwards. So yeah, uh, thanks again to Alamo Draft House for. Allowing us to uh, to show that movie, um, we've got our next one picked out, right? 
yeah, picked out. We'll see if, uh, you know, I, I guess sometimes the rights to it are not always readily available, but we're hoping this one's going to be available um, so we can perhaps go back to Westlakes and, and do something there. I think... I think that I, I like that we have the the option to do it both places because some you know Westlake's is going to lead itself to some different films than Park North. So yeah, yeah. Uh, stay tuned. Also, last night we went and saw your buddy Cody, mm-hmm. and I went and saw Cody's buddy Jerry Rocha, comedian. Uh, last night at Alamo, at Alamo, we didn't go to Alamo. We went to uh, <laughs> River Center Comedy Club. It's yes. right by the Alamo. It is. Uh, he was uh, recently on Conan. Yeah, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. I was on Conan like three years ago, you guys. Yeah. With a puppet in the audience. <laughs> so, it's old. this is old hat. Yeah. Well, I mean, pretty it's like much. The, it's like what you're wearing, an old hat. <laughs> <laughs> it is, this is an old hat. I don't think I've ever seen you in a hat before. I usually don't wear them, but... Uh, but you had a bad hair day? Yeah, bad hair day. Because he looks like Smalls from uh, Sandlot. With <laughs> <hat>. <laughs> Get in the Smalls. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we went and saw your, your pal uh, Jerry Rocha last night at River Center Comedy Club. It was a good time. Yeah, Very funny. He's uh, he was headlining. He hasn't been to San Antonio and performed in, I would say, maybe three years or so. Um, so it was it was good to see him again. I, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he did all new material, um, stuff that I hadn't seen before, and it was all really good. I was, I, I thought he had a really really good set. And uh, on to tie in. That with us, you yeah. uh, recorded a podcast with him yesterday. Yeah, a, a quick forty-five minute podcast. Uh, I listened to it. it was, oh, yeah, Thor. Thor was happy about that podcast. <laughs> it was. It was a good time. It was a good uh, conversation you had. I listened to it yesterday. Uh, oh, when was, thanks. When I was driving to the show, he uh, tells a long story of about uh, going to a Dallas Cowboys game in Philly. Yeah, um, basically yeah. almost getting killed by. Uh, Angry, Eagles fans. angry Eagles fans. Yeah, yeah, that's a great story, and we talk a little bit about kind of his philosophy on stand up. And uh, you audition for him at the end. Uh, what? I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do about five minutes of material. <laughs> Mr. Rocha, can I tell you some jokes? <laughs> They're super clean. <laughs> you only work clean. I only work clean. Uh, you can book me for your church. You can book Cody for your church group. Yeah, it's in. I would say it's like seventy five percent ventriloquism, but I, I you know, I, I, the other twenty five percent is miming. So it's it's good for the kids. It's good for the adults. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, no, uh. <laughs> no, he's a uh, you know he's a really really funny guy, really funny off the cuff, and it was it was I think it's a good podcast because we're pretty loose because we're friends. So it was cool to just kind of sit back and and talk to him about some stuff I've talked to him in the past, but. You know, recorded. So, uh, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely check it out if you're interested in stand-ups. You know, Jerry's in an interesting place because he's he's uh, you know that that Conan episode is a huge, huge deal for him, like a very huge break. Yeah, um, it was his late night TV debut. So, you know, he's a club he's a club comedian. So he goes around every weekend. He's in a different city at a different comedy club. So that's that's a very different um, uh, life than. Your normal big theater comedians who are, I guess, you know, the average folk associate with comedy. I mean, I usually only prefer Jeff Dunham. Well, yeah, Jeff Dunham and, or uh, or maybe Terry Fader. You know, <laughs> I, I've either one is heaven to me. So <laughs> Terry Fader is like the biggest act in Vegas, by yeah. the way. Yeah, can I know. you believe that? I you wouldn't pay for a ticket to Terry Fader in Vegas. No. Would you go if it was a free ticket? Yeah. 
I go for free. <laughs> and even Jeff Dunham, like Jeff Dunham, is somebody I watched. Like, God, it must be twenty five years ago at least. Really? Remember, that, that far back? I yeah, because he had a he had a, oh, a that's right. crazy he, resurgence. About right, five that's years right. ago. Why was that again? Did he come out on a reality show or something? I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I have no idea. But I he, think Comedy Central started playing his stuff and. It kind of took off. Because there's Mystery Science Theater 3000, like old episodes make references to the woozle named Peanut. Oh, see, his, I'm not even familiar with that reference. That's his uh, purple monster thing. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's so sexual. Yeah. Purple monster thing. To bring it back to Jerry, if you're listening on today, which is Sunday, he's got one more show at 8.30 p.m. at River Center. It's his last show in town. Um, tickets are $16, and it comes very highly recommended. And he does have a uh, YouTube uh, series he's doing now, right? Yeah, called How I Drop My Load. Uh, and it's stuff he – what is it? It's, he, basically, he's – it's stuff he thinks about while he's on the toilet. So uh, While he's taking a shit. Yeah. Let's go ahead and yeah, well, call yeah. a spade a spade. Yeah, right? that's what it is. And, and so basically <laughs> what he does is he sits on his toilet and does a video web series – uh, so like the first episode was him talking about Daredevil, yeah. uh, the TV show, and it's it's pretty good. It's it's brief, it's cool, it's it's funny. Um, Is he literally sitting on the toilet? Yeah, his pants are up, but he's sitting on the toilet. Oh, it's a video. Yeah, disappointingly, his pants are up. Yeah, he's not he's not like actually defecating while he's recording. But. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was a a podcast that this friend of mine would listen to, and it was like this weird like anti alt comedy podcast and the host would solicit people sending in recordings of them taking a shit wow. and play it on their sh- play it on his show i have no idea what it was called but you'd hear some gross <laughs> some nasty shits on that show <laughs> anyways <laughs> so uh download Cody, cody's bonus episode uh that's number seven right yeah bonus episode n- numero uh seven yeah it's a fun <laughs> listen Jerry's a cool guy. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and move on to news. It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. This week, Woody Allen, yeah. prolific director, uh, has apparently signed a TV deal with Amazon, and he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an amazing way of putting it. Yeah. What, uh, what's, what are the details of this story? Because it's very, very weird. This is a, Yeah, this is an extremely weird story. So I, it came out a while back um, that, that Woody Allen uh, was going to do a TV series on Amazon. And it was going to be the very first uh, TV show he did. And um, and you know it's been interesting because these streaming deals have been growing like exponentially over the past few years and, and getting some real talent behind them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so when Woody Woody Allen uh, joined up, I don't know why I said that like Christopher Walken. Uh, <laughs> Woody joined up. Uh, That's pretty good. Thanks. I'm 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 usually not a big impressionist, but I think that was not too bad. I told you you've been auditioning all week for. For Jerry, so that's why. Right. <laughs> so I got a Christopher Walken impression. That's that good was, too. I wouldn't even try to try to do that because you it's really because it's really hacky. You guys have some big balls, man. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, after that's been said, uh, you so guys have some purple monster. What was it? Purple monster. Big purple monster. <laughs> a woozle, and his name is Peanut. 
<laughs> anyway, go. So basically, uh, Woody Allen has has made a statement saying he's regretted saying yes to this ever since he said yes. He doesn't know what streaming is. Well, yeah, I, I, there's a really long quote. I guess I'll read parts of it. Um, Do it in a Woody Allen voice. <laughs> <laughs> is that a monkey? No, those 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 my Woody Allen like uh, you know. Oh, look at me! I, I don't know. I'm c- confused. I can't do a Woody Allen, but um. So basically, he led off this quote with, "I don't even know what a streaming service is." Uh, when you said streaming service, it's the first time I've heard that term connected with the Amazon thing. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew what Amazon was. I've never seen any of those series, even on cable. I've never seen The Sopranos or Mad Men. I'm out every night, and when I come home, I watch the end of baseball or a basketball game, and then there's Charlie Rose, and I go to sleep. <laughs> I guess he forgot the part about his warm milk. <laughs> but uh, Amazon kept coming to me and saying, please do this, whatever you want. I kept saying I have no ideas, that I never watch television. I don't know the first thing about it. It went on for a year and a half. They kept making a better deal, and then finally they agreed on six half hours. He said they can be black and white. They can take place in Paris, New York, California. They don't care. They just want six hours from Woody Allen, or six <coughs> half hours. And and then he says, um, I've regretted every second since I said okay. It's been so hard for me. I had the cocky confidence. Uh, I do it like I do a movie. It'll be a movie in six parts. Turns out it's not. Uh, he's been struggling. Uh, and uh, And he says, I hope that when I finally do it, I have until the end of 2016, they're not crushed with disappointment because they're nice people and I don't want to disappoint them. Uh, in a, at some point he says he doesn't even own a computer, right? I got to check. I think I read that before I came over here. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it just says, uh, movies I've been doing for decades and even the stage stuff, I know the stage and have seen a million plays, but this, how to begin something and end it a half hour and then come back next time, it's not me. Keep in mind, he's like 79 years old. Right. So and this, this weird doddering. And then my favorite, uh quote is you really regret that deal and he says oh it's amazing how you can regret i haven't had a pleasurable moment since i undertook it <laughs> i i guess that's plays in the neurotic kind of mindset that uh he's known for what is what is this i mean does the show have a name and a no p- plot or anything no nobody knows what he's doing he has free reign to do whatever he wants oh so he hasn't done it yet no oh well <laughs> he can't crack it he can't figure out what to do oh i see and so, like, I, I, it's just so weird because this guy is so prolific. He's got a new movie, like, literally every year. Uh, and, and yet he can't figure out how to do, ultimately, three hours of material. Uh, and he says he doesn't know how to stop 30 minutes and then pick up next time. Like, TV is at a point where you don't have to do anything. You don't have to stop the story. You can, I mean, cliffhangers happen all the time. It just happens, and then it picks up where it left off the next time. I mean... It's just essentially building breaks into three-hour uh, time periods because, of course, somebody somebody probably needs to tell Woody Allen that the way that this is going to be consumed is through binge-watching because that's how these streaming services work. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and it's it's not really – shouldn't really be any different than than creating an act break in a film. Right, exactly. But who knows? <laughs> it's I, I think it's funny that he's just – like he's Woody Allen Woody Alleny like – this moment like perfectly right it's like it's exactly what you would expect well like, he's really neurotic about it and he has no fucking clue well and i think the interesting part is uh 
when when this when this idea came out that Woody Allen was taking on streaming, we were I think this is was kind of the general reaction, like, wow, this is really odd. A seventy nine year old man who who has never done and I'm sure people joked, Oh, he probably doesn't even know what Amazon is and it turns out he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> like like I like like in that interview he just figures out that Amazon is a streaming service. Like what is going on? Like did they explain to him like who Somebody he, should have explained I mean he should have what he's seventy nine, seventy six. What did you say? Seventy nine. He should have at least seventy nine handlers, you know, around him, you know, <laughs> telling him what's going on and where to go and where to sign. And I wonder how much of it is kind of a put on. Nah, I don't know. Because he, you know, we've we've been Amazon's been around for fifteen years in the public eye, strongly at least. Uh, so yeah, and and I mean, even if you don't have. And because Amazon, you know, admittedly their streaming service took a little while to catch on to, for people to realize that they even had it. Uh, but well, they're going after prestige more than they are audience right now, right? But you know, it's it's not like Amazon didn't exist to buy products for <laughs> I, that's a decade. What that's what I'm saying. You know, is we've been living with the the fact that Amazon exists for the past. You know, hell, I ordered my first book from there in like 1998, I think. So. It's been a thing for a long time. Yeah, I just I just find it kind of a hilarious story that this guy, you know, I mean, what he's he's literally directed a movie a year for the past fifteen years, longer at least. Well, there was a break where he didn't make one. I think a while back, I because I, we both wrote about it in our last two Woody Allen reviews oh, did we? about how prolific he's been, and and they're they're all with young people that should be able yeah, to. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like he's working with, you know... Uh, like Scarlett Johansson never told him about the internet. Right, <laughs> right. Like now his muse is Emma Stone and, like, yeah. you know, she's never she's never been on any computer before. So, you know... <laughs> Doesn't have a smartphone in her hand. Yeah. It's just, uh, like I said, TV has come to a point where it's so cinematic at this point. And, um, and you're essentially just crafting a long movie. I mean, it's 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 it's, like you said... It, well, especially with a series this short, like, I mean, 12 one-hour episodes, yeah, I get it. That would be hard to do, like, a movie. But mm. six half-hour episodes, yeah. I mean, when you're when you're dealing with that, you can construct it like a movie and break it down. I mean, like, I, I'm sure that that's how some miniseries are created. Like, um, like you know, The Trip, the movie with uh, the, right. the Steve Coogan stuff, that is, that is released as a movie, but it's put on as a miniseries when it airs in England. Right. So, I mean... Yeah, it's it doesn't have to. You don't have to have a an arc in every single episode of TV. You can build it to where it ends, and then there's more later. Like you can leave on a cliffhanger. That's totally cool. <laughs> I dropped my phone. On that note, <laughs> uh, I think that's enough talking about Woody Allen. It's weird. It's funny. It's it's it sounds like very stereotypical Woody Allen. You don't want to do a Woody Allen impression? No. You would. You would be convinced he was here, and then you'd be disappointed when you found that he wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's often why I don't do impressions for people. It's like you know what? They're like he's here, he's here. <laughs> it's like sorry to disappoint you. I'm just. It would I'm just. just me. It would just Cody V kicking it, kicking it impression style. That's, God, what, that's what your DVD is going to be called. It's so weird because I say that phrase like four times a day at least. <laughs> it's me, Cody V. Kicking it impression style, <laughs> and it's just me like, uh, like with like I'm I'm sitting back on a couch with my feet up, 
Like, because it looks like I'm <laughs> really kicking it. Because you're kicking back. Like, kicking it, kicking off my shoes in slow motion and the picture. And they've got a little, like, anime. They've added a little swoosh to the shoe. Yeah. Some motion blur. So you can tell it's moving. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I like what your graphic designer's coming up with there. <laughs> oh, well, then you can just thank me, because I'm the graphic designer. <laughs> Whoa. Jack of all trades. talents. Wears many hats. <laughs> including one including right now. one right now. An old Astros hat. An old. I got. I just ordered a new one with the new logo, which is the old logo. Which is the old logo. Yeah. I have an old logo hat that I bought a f- few years ago, back before they. That was their logo. Anyway. So you were you were cool before it was cool. I was cool before it was cool. I think I got it at Academy. They so. don't sell any Astro stuff at Academy anymore. Why not? Because it's Rangers Town here nowadays. Since when? Since the Astros stopped being on TV. Really? As I soon didn't as, realize that. Yeah, as soon as as soon as the uh, the Rangers took over the TV market because the 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 Comcast Sports Houston launched a couple oh, of years that's ago, right. and now if you go into any academy store, it's all Rangers stuff. There's not there might be like one tiny Astros hat. Everything else is pure Rangers. I remember reading some broadcasting news on that in the booze, uh, and when the Astros were really shitty, yeah, like uh, the ratings on that channel were hash marks, Ooh. which means. Which, if you don't know, means there's basically no people watching. Yeah, some guy fell asleep uh, like and forgot to change the channel. <laughs> there's no measurable metric for people watching this. For like games, just like, nope, nobody watched it. Do you remember uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Conan's uh, Harvard uh, commencement speech? Did you ever watch it or read it? I probably did, but I don't remember. It's amazing. He talks about his first TV show he did, and he says something like... Uh, he talks about the ratings, and he says it rated just higher than a test pattern in Nova Scotia. <laughs> like you need to, you need to go back and read that Harvard commencement speech. It's amazing. Let me write that down. Hold on. Yeah, go Co- ahead. Cody said Harvard I need to Harvard commencement speech. Harvard with Conan the Barbarian. Yes. Okay, got it. That's enough of news. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, Pitch Perfect Two. All right, come on in. Let's do this face-off style. Okay, let's take a look, see what your final category is. Nine is hip hop jam! Okay, y'all, take a second to think about it. Time's up, go! This is how we do it. Kind of boss, man, it's all because. This is how we do it. Sam Central does it like nobody does. This is how we do it. To all my neighbors, you got much flavor. This is how we do it. Let's Never trust a big button smiles at girl is poison. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? After a humiliating command performance at Lincoln Center, the Barton Bellas enter an international competition that no American group has ever won in order to regain their status and right to perform. Now, to start off with, maybe you don't realize why we're starting with Pitch Perfect 2 this week. I was going to ask that. Did it? Don't tell me it won box office. Oh, it's crushing. Dude. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. It's, uh, I'm checking the latest updates because usually they update it was, in the morning. It but... was projected to open at $65 million, which is more than the entire first film made mm-hmm. in its uh, 
More than the first film made in its entire run. But yeah, we typically start with the uh, box office leader. Yeah, and it, and they are saying that it could hit seventy million Jesus by the end Christ. of this weekend. Uh, so yeah, it is it is crushing right now. But anyway, you didn't see this, Kiko. I didn't get a chance to. But after hearing you fawn over this, I'm gonna have to go check it out. Uh, well, let's let's talk about it, Cody. Yeah, uh, man, I loved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's uh, it was it was so much fun. Uh, you know, I was a fan of the first Pitch Perfect movie. Um, it was it was I liked it. It was good for what it was for sure. Um, and uh, you know, I, I've I've heard it a lot in the last few days described as like Mean Girls with singing, which is sort of accurate. Uh, I, I I hear the comparison more to Bring It On. Okay, that that might be more apt. But um, so uh, you know, I was a fan of the first, but you know. I wasn't necessarily going to run out to see the second. Yeah. Um, Cause it's for girls, <laughs> but I should have, because it's, it's, it, it really is just a blast. Like, uh, you did see it though. No, I'm saying I should have ran out to see it. Like I should have wanted to run out to see it. Oh, uh, because I would have gotten there faster. I don't know. <laughs> uh, look, we're, we, we should just be like getting here and starting the podcast. It's very early. Uh, so, um, so yeah, what they do in this film is, um, and I wrote about a lot of this in my written review, which you can read at cinesnob.net. Um, but there's very much an approach of we're going to throw out as many jokes as possible, and if they land, they land. If they don't, there's another one coming soon. And the amazing thing about this film is that, like, eighty to ninety percent of the jokes hit. Like, it's it yeah. it hits at a really really good rate. And um, and I think one of the best parts about it is that there a lot of them are kind of like non sequiturs or or uh, you know it's it gets a little absurd here and there yeah like the scene that we played a clip from that's the my favorite scene in the whole movie well you know what's interesting about that scene which I also wrote about in the in the review is that it's it's very clearly a retread of a scene from Pitch Perfect the first one right but there's enough done to it to make it different well it ramps up. The strangeness, yes, by a thousand, yes, yes, because you first of all you have David Cross in a hilarious cameo that you heard in there, <laughs> where he's so amazing in that scene. doing doing kind of his uh, a spit on his like southern dandy yeah character he's done in stand up before yeah exactly and uh, and, uh, and and you know as I as I described uh, the most hilarious grand prize I've seen. <laughs> In a long time, forty-two thousand dollar gift card to David Buster's. It <laughs> was, was such a funny joke that thing. Well, because okay, because the the scene it's mirroring is the the sing off in the pool, like yes. the empty pool uh-huh. in the first movie, and that's just a bunch of college kids getting together. But this is this is staged as like some weird like invite only tournament with a family feud style board. Yeah, uh, among uh, you know the Barton Bellas, there's uh, whoever uh, Sky. What's the actor's name? Uh, Skyler, the lead. Oh, Skyler Aston. Skyler Aston's group. Who, we should add, like, the men are totally marginalized in this movie. Yeah. Like, they're basically cameos. Yeah. I think Adam Devine has the biggest part, uh-huh. and he doesn't even have that big a part. But uh, there's there's the Barton Bellas, there's whatever, uh, uh, what are they called? Something, uh, Treble, Here Comes Treble? Here Comes Treble, I think. No, the Treble Makers. Oh, yeah. Here Comes Treble was on The Office. Oh, that's right. That was... Uh, Ed Helms. Anyway, uh, and then there's the uh, Das Sound Machine, which is the Germans you heard. And then there's a group made up of, I don't remember what they were called, but it's Adam Devine, Reggie Watts, Jason Jones, John Hodgman, John Hodgman and Joe LaTrulio. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that as soon as I see them, I cracked up. Well, and there's another group there, and I, we, it won't be oh, spoiling because it's in the commercials, right. but it's also members of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers are there. I forgot about the Green Bay yeah. Packers. And that's how they're introduced. And the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they were big fans of the first movie. Yeah, yeah. That's how they got put in the second movie. But that scene is, I mean, it must be like 10, 15 minutes It's long. pretty long, yeah. But it's 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 worth it. I mean, it's and it's one of those things uh, that, like I said, it's retreaded from the first movie. It's and it's they're not trying to disguise it in any way, but it's done. It's done differently. It's done more absurdly, and um, and it's and it's funnier. Well, there's even some meta commentary at the beginning. Yeah, uh, from Elizabeth Banks, who's and uh, John uh, Michael Higgins, John Michael Higgins, who are both great in this yeah. movie. Yeah, again, uh, as kind of setting up the premise for the movie. Yeah, you know, as though they're talking to the the Barden Bellas who've been yeah through, out. through their podcast that yeah. they're doing, but you know it's <laughs> and and they're also like those that's where the most like offensive humor comes from because it's some of it is pretty pretty damn offensive <laughs> like it's pretty crass yeah uh, especially from John Michael Higgins, <laughs> but I mean it's great it's really funny and and also you know it, it, I think a lot of it I think a lot of Pitch Perfect the first one relied on how funny you found Rebel Wilson. Um, because she's very over the top in the first Pitch Perfect movie, and and for this, I found her like ten times funnier in this one. To to the movie's credit, it doesn't make her the star like you might expect, right? You know, like if you were if we got a sequel to Bridesmaids, of course Melissa McCarthy would be front and stage. Exactly, front and it allows Rebel Wilson to actually steal scenes instead of like like she's best served as a scene stealer versus like you said, making it about her. So she still gets to come in and, and, and it's a lot of just like one liners that she's throwing out and they're yeah. almost all funny. And, and, the, uh, and yeah. even away from the group, there's some real funny humor. Uh, Anna Kendrick's character gets a oh, internship with, yeah. and fucking Keegan, Michael key yeah. is hilarious as yeah. a record producer and not even like being, it's not kind of the weird funny. It's just like this no nonsense funniness. Yeah. With, with Dax, one of the interns yeah. at the, <laughs> those all of those scenes are really and Snoop funny. Snoop Dogg has a really funny cameo. Yeah, um, it, it's just it was not what I was expecting because the first film I, I liked. Yeah, but this one just ramps up the funniness, uh, the funniness, the humor. Yeah, uh, and it, it, you know, and I don't think people realize that this is a movie directed by a woman. Yeah, about women, and. I don't think anybody gives that credit. You know, this is a this is a yeah. this is a female comedy, you know, and it passes the Bechdel test with flying colors. Oh, definitely. Um, and it's directed by a woman, and it's going to be written it, by a woman. Written by a woman, and it's a huge fucking hit. Yeah. Oh, it's a giant hit, and and you know, uh, I guess we should talk a little bit about some other things, maybe some things that don't work as well, just to be fair. But uh, the music is fine. Um, I don't I, I don't think that that is the draw to these movies. Uh, where it, it was the draw maybe to the first one, but to this one, it really does take a backseat to the comedy, which I, I appreciate. Well, and even they, they make a comment about the, the music. Keegan-Michael Key's character makes a commentary mm-hmm. about the kind of the music in general in the films that it's just mashups. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and uh, Haley Steinfeld or Feld, Field or Feld? Feld, I think. Uh, so she's she's the added addition, and uh, there was a really funny – what was her 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 – her her real last name that they hard on <laughs> her father's name was hard on yeah I, I don't know why that was just like an example of just a dumb throwaway line that's really well, funny I what, what was her character's name in the film I don't remember they like she had a funny last name like a weird last name but because she went by her mother's last name 
Yeah, uh, um, I'll have to look it up. Because her dad's last name was hard on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's it's expected because... Um, uh, damn it, I can't find it. Uh, you know, Kay Cannon, who wrote the first two movies, was a writer on 30 Rock. Yeah. And I think that that shows, because 30, Ro- 30 Rock was very much a show where um, you kind of had that rapid fire... Yeah. Like jokes, it, it, like it's it's the joke. It's a joke volume show where it's like, mm-hmm. it's 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 the most that you can think of, uh, and throw out. And then um, hold on, I'm trying to find. I've almost got. Okay, so it's <laughs> Haley Steinfeld. Uh, her last name was Junk. Oh, that's right. So her name was Emily Junk, and then, and then <laughs> she went by her mom's last name because her dad's last name was Hard On. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, a lot of the uh, the 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 plot. Or narrative side of things doesn't it, it's kind of messy. It kind of goes in and out, and and uh, it's like a. I mean, it's look, it's it's a comedy. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter right. how they get from point A to point B. Pretty much, so long as it's funny. Yeah. Getting there, and I think it. I think it accomplishes that very very successfully. Well, and it's a, and it's an ensemble piece. So, as much as Anna Kendrick is the star of these of this movie. It kind of focuses on a lot of different things. It's not Anna Kendrick's movie by any yeah. means. No, it's. You, I mean, you get equal parts Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson, Haley Steinfeld, a lot of Britney Snow, uh, uh, a lot. Uh, Adam Divine gets. Adam gets, Divine's great. Uh, yeah, um, it's it, it's funny because he kind of came out of nowhere. It's that it's that weird like frat boy, like clueless frat boy humor. Yeah, I guess, and he really sells it hard in this movie. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, it's uh it's I mean, look, I mean, you 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 should know what you're going to get when you go into it. Uh and and I think it's 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 definitely not. I mean, it is made by women and probably for the most part for women, but it's that doesn't take away from how good it is and how much appeal it has beyond that. Like it's very much not in my opinion not like a chick flick in well, any I way. Well, I mean, you, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to point that out. Right. But I mean, there's been so much lately about film, you know, with the whole Black Widow controversy and how Marvel won't make a female-centric movie. Right. Well, here's one that's a huge hit, you know, for what it is, and it's it's made by a, a female director, a first-time female director. Mm-hmm. Granted, she's a movie star already, but but still, it's going to be. It's you said it's going to hit seventy million. They're projecting. Yeah, they're they're and you got to you also have to understand the first Pitch Perfect made sixty-five million domestic total. Yeah. And it's going to hit possibly it's it's going to hit for sure high sixties, maybe even low seventies in its first weekend. That's crazy, which is just huge against what should be a huge movie too, mm-hmm. Mad Max. Yeah, and, and against an Avengers movie that should maybe even still be pretty high up. I mean, that's yeah. only in its third or fourth third, week. This is third week. Yeah, and and a lot of people were predicting that Avengers might have a three weekend run yeah. at the top, and then no, sir. That's not happening. <laughs> you forgot about... Uh... You're so polite there. No, sir. <laughs> oh, no, sir. All right, grade? I'm giving this one a very solid B. I, um, yeah. I totally agree. It was it was really, really funny. Uh, I had a great time at this. Like like we said, all trolley style, that it was the best movie released this week. Yeah. Um, but no, it really is. And it's not a, it's not a chick flick. No. I mean, it stars women, and it's directed by women, and it's written by women, but it's really, really funny. Yeah, and and it's and it's it's kind of ballsy too. I mean, yeah. some of the humor in here is is is, is offensive. I mean, I, some of John Michael Higgins' lines, I was like, holy shit! Yeah, yeah, they're they're 
They're rough. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite lines he says at the end, I, I won't say it here. Cause oh, I yeah. It, but it's just, it's that, it's just the, his delivery. I mean, he's, I guess he's, he's our generation's Fred Willard. Yeah, he kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he's just kind of this clueless blowhard. Are they the same age? No, Fred Willard's like mid 70s. Oddly enough, both in Best in Show. Oh. They're both from the Christopher Guest kind mm-hmm. of, uh, Kind of, uh, yeah, by, by the way, I love Best in Show. Oh, yeah, Best in Show is great. No, it's a great movie. Fred Willard completely. Is Harry Shearer in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking Harry Shearer. Giving him all the money in the world for The Simpsons and turning it down. Yep. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next movie Mad Max Fury Road. How do you know this place even exists? I was born there. Why'd you leave? I didn't. I was taken as a child. Stolen. You'd done this before? Many times. Now that I drive a war rig, this is the best shot I'll ever have. And then? They're looking for hope. What about you? Redemption. In a stark desert landscape where humanity is broken, two rebels just might be able to restore order. Max, a man of action in a few words, and Furiosa, a woman of action who is looking to make it back to her childhood homeland. We all saw this, Kiko. You're very mad. You you want me to start so I can get the blunt of the... Hatred online. We're all going to agree with you. Well, so. actually, no, we're not. Because, I mean, I thought this movie was fine. I didn't hate... Well, I don't know if you guys hated it or what. But I, I did I, not hate it. I, I'll agree with... I think we all will agree that this movie is probably going to be the most overrated movie of the year. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Now, on that note, I, I would still recommend it. Um, but, again, it's not as amazing. I mean, this thing is on, what, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, the reviews have all been, for the most part, hyperbolic. I mean, just Oh, yeah. Well, like, the, like what I just said, it's... <laughs> with, like my hyperbolic uh, statement just right now that it's uh, the most overrated movie <laughs> of the year. Um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, people are calling it, you know, it's going to be up there for Best Picture. And, I mean, I've seen some crazy things. Um and I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, weird things have happened, but I don't know. Um, of course, this is a, I guess, what would you consider it? A, um, this a, is a re- reboot. Re- re- reboot, right. Okay. So a reboot from um, Mel Gibson's uh, Mad Max movies from the 80s. If, I guess if you look at it, the way I was describing it to somebody, it's like James Bond. Right. Like if you look hard enough, you can find a connection maybe. Mm-hmm. But for everybody else, this is a fresh start. Right. And it's not very it's not very much different than the past films. I mean, there's it's very low on plot. I mean, basically it's a two hour car chase that we're getting here. But what everybody's uh, f- uh, flipping over is, are the uh, is the imagery and the way that they shoot this movie and some of the uh, special effects that are happening. I mean, it's a this long, you know, complex. A car chase with some crazy characters and um, 
Some of it's really uh, exhilarating. I have to admit, there's some really great sh- uh, shots of uh, certain things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, in my opinion, is uh, towards the end, there's these, um, uh, I guess, some of the antagonists, some of the bad guys are on these. Um, they're pole vaulting? Pole vaults. The, that are, yeah, they call the vehicles pole cats. And pole like, cats, and they're, they're like kind of swinging back and forth on that them. That was really cool. Yeah, there's some exactly. There, it's really cool. There's some really cool uh, effects and really cool um, uh, action sequences that happen here. Um, but as a whole, I mean, I I was not into it uh, in terms of like a, um, uh, there was no emotional pull for me whatsoever. I mean, the cars all could have fallen off the edge of the cliff, and I would have been like, mm, okay, the movie's done. <laughs> um, and I need a little bit more. Uh, emotion when it comes to that kind of stuff i wasn't invested in anybody in that way um you know um charlie Theron is great um she plays kind of like a mad max's uh, uh she's she's almost the star right so. yeah she plays kind of his um not alter ego what's the other word like she's parallel to him but in a female yeah good 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 word there thank you <laughs> <laughs> so um which is great because you know, of course, you never get the uh, female heroine um, in these types of movies. So to have her step in front of um, the, the this role and in, even in front of Max himself uh, uh, really puts a different spin on this. Um, there's a lot of pretty people in it too. Yeah, a lot of. Mom. Well, there's a. It's a. Yeah, a lot of. It's funny because there's like some of the most prettiest people, and then <laughs> there's a, there's a dude playing the guitar. The <laughs> Doof Warrior, as he's uh. called. I you know what, I I I didn't have a problem with the Doof Warrior whatsoever. I I actually thought it was so over the top and stupid that it worked. I think I think probably the best word I could use to describe this movie is badass. Okay, but that comes with a caveat that like it doesn't really mean that it's good. Like you're watching, you're like, oh fuck, you know, like these motorcycles are jumping because that was another cool shot where the motorcycles are jumping over the rig, like dropping bombs on them. Oh right. So there's yeah. a lot of badass shit in this movie. Yeah, no, I, I don't agree. know that it doesn't add up though to a great movie for me at all. I mean, it's like you said, ultimately I recommend it, but when it comes to plot, and maybe I, I assume it's by design. Yeah, nothing... I mean, I I can't take away. I'm not the type. I'm, I can't take away from it because it doesn't have a plot and i know cody's different uh, in terms of that but i mean we just talked about a movie that doesn't have plot that's great days and confused that I is mean, the 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 absence of plot is not the issue at hand like it's not it's not a, an absence of plot in itself that's the problem mm-hmm. the problem is that um at least from my perspective is that the there's a disregard for it um and there's no thematic elements that lead to it. There's no uh, all of this. There's no story beats. They're action beats instead. And and uh, and I think that's that's where I mean. Look, for me, and I, I have a slightly different view than both of you because uh, because I I really didn't care for it. Again, I, I didn't think it was bad. I thought a lot of it was really cool, but that's about the extent of it. I mean, it really is something that you can say it's a visual. It's really nice visually, but but what else? It, it felt empty to me. Um, I can agree with that. Yeah, uh, there's no there's no nuance to the movie, and I know that's the point, but that doesn't change the fact that that's what it is. And and um, y- you know, it's it's just aggressive. It's an aggressive movie, and I found it, you know, to be just a bludgeoning. It's it's a two hour full throttle the whole time. There's no let up. There's no time to breathe. 
and if that's what you're into and if that's what you want to see, then awesome, that's fine. But uh, but for me, after a certain point of action, if it's not you know terribly interesting or it's just you know happening for an hour straight, you just start to your brain shuts off and you start to you know glaze over a little bit and you just become watching you just it just starts to become events that are happening on screen there's just a bunch of stuff happening on screen and that's what happened to me during the film i think it was a little bit more defined than you're giving giving it credit for i but mean why i mean because there's you're saying there's action beats i don't think it all ran in together for me there's different things that happen that kind of break break it apart nicely um it's not like when you say like everything kind of you know it just kind of glazes over it. that stuff like that would happen for me with trans with like the transformers but, action but, but sequences. What is the div- what is the difference though? Well, like we Jared said, and I were talking about this. The mm-hmm. difference between a spectacle like Fast Five and Transformers. So, what's the difference between this and that? I, that it's interesting to me. Um, the like we're talking about Furious Seven compared to to this film. Um, they're both kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean one's pure spectacle and one's like it's spectacle mixed in with some, I don't want to call it bullshit, but just kind of just a bunch of shit about family. Yeah. Um, and neither of them are great. Uh, this, I, I enjoyed this a little more than I did furious seven. Definitely. Um, I don't know it, but, and then like you compare that stuff to something like transformers. I think really the, where transformers, uh, loses people is the mean spiritedness. Okay. Um, I don't think this had. I, I mean, Fast uh, Furious Seven is is uh, sentimental. Like it's it's like bro sentimentality. This one just has nothing to latch onto yeah. but spectacle, in my opinion. I mean, there there is a very thin story, and people can find a feminist hero in Charlize Theron. Yeah, um, but there's nothing else really. Like we don't. It's that was my biggest problem. We don't understand. Like the mythology of this world seems incredible. But there's no effort to be made. Like, is this somebody? I, I read this online, and I'm not stealing it, but it, it made me think that, like, is this a normal day in this world, or is this an event that that's extraordinary? That's an interesting point because there's no context provided in the movie. Doesn't really have any interest in going there anyway, right? Which I think is the part about plot, which I bring up again. It's not the absence of plot; it's that it there, just there's starts. There's regard for it. It, it just, just starts. It, you're automatically on the road and the car chase scene just happens and it just keeps going. But it's it's one of those things like what I say when I'm – what I mean when I say something like that is like by the sixth or seventh car that gets obliterated, it's like, okay, I, I realize <laughs> what I'm watching and it's just, it's just happening. There's just stuff happening on screen with no consequence and you almost – you know the beats of the movie. You, you know how it's going to end pretty much. It, it's just – you're just – I, I was a little surprised by the the turn it took. Which at the one? End. Re- really? Well, when they when they realize what they were after is not there, and they have to change their decision. That was a. I mean, plot wise, that was a little bit like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. But um, by that point, you've run the gauntlet, and you're not. You know, you're not going to run the whole gauntlet again. Right. So you're going to get. You know that like. Hey, we're an hour and a half into this. We're not going to get another hour and a half of of this shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just funny though when they turn around. And you're like, so basically, this first hour and a half was a waste. Yeah. They're going. <laughs> they're going to retrace their steps. But uh, <laughs> but a lot of the criticism I've seen of 
well, of the of, of my opinion is, well, why does that matter? Well, fuck, it's a fucking movie, you know. Right. Like, yeah, you can you can be drawn in by the spectacle, and I admit that it it happens to me, but it's a perfectly valid point to say, like, you know what? I don't understand what's going on, you know. Yeah. And but the fanboys and the reaction to this has been so incredible, like it's just like that's it. Like, the spectacle is enough for everybody, and it's not. I mean, obviously, each movie gets a different treatment from from audiences but it just wasn't enough for me i i totally agree that's a that's a great way of putting it it is enough for some people and it's enough for a lot of people in this case but for me it wasn't enough i i wanted something more i wanted to be it's i wanted something more than eye candy which is all this is it's two hour eye candy and if anyone i mean and people will disagree people do disagree but for me that's that's what it was, it was go ahead it, no, it was just two-hour eye candy. It was a bunch of, it was a bunch of crazy stunts, crazy, crazy action, and it, yeah, a lot of it was really entertaining and really cool and, and and stuff like that. But beyond that, if you're asking for anything more, you're not going to get it. Speaking of eye candy, those ladies, guys, didn't what? we already go through that? It was uh, Rose. No, we didn't really talk about them. It was uh, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, and Kravitz' daughter. The reason. Uh, the reason I bring them up is because I think that that's where it lost me. I wish that – I don't know. I wish that I cared more about the payload. You know what I mean? I wish that – you know, when so, there's – when the first thing – I don't want to ruin anything. But the first time that something happens bad to one of the girls, I was totally – I didn't care. It's yeah. not like it didn't like – you know, it's like, you know, you, know, you lost the – I don't know. Something, you know, not in, very I, important to somebody, or you know, it just kind of happens. And well, since we I wish there was a little bit more, you know, since we didn't really know anything about anybody in the movie, it doesn't like none of the losses. I mean, the most characterization you get is Charlize Theron. Well, yeah, exactly. How are you supposed to be hit hard by a narrative plot point or something like that when you're you you don't have you don't give that time to develop or you don't develop it at all, really? When you so, just you know just put upon you. Let's let's talk about uh, the box office for a bit here. What's it at right now? I know it was tracking at like forty million dollars. Um, uh, this is probably going to be called a flop. Um, probably, yeah. Um, Let me. Uh, well, go ahead and talk. I'll find the full total. It, it, it seems to be a pattern lately with uh, these kind of sci-fi movies that uh, that are good, but that that get uh, no love. Uh, and it seems to be kind of a fanboy thing, but no love for general audience from general audiences. So, do you think? Do you think this movie was a mistake to release in the summertime uh, up against something like Pitch Perfect Two? Mm. I mean, if it look, you've got an R-rated two hundred million dollar action movie. I mean, I guess you have to release it in the summer. Yeah. So it's right now it's tracking at about forty five million, which I mean, it's you know that's nothing to sneeze at, but you know. Is that a thing? Yeah, but it's getting it's. But it's it was budgeted at two hundred million. And in the uh, stupid backwards metric of the cinema score, it's getting a B plus. B plus cinema score, which is apparently not. Fuck the cinema score. Well, uh, look, it's a it's a tool that could be valuable if the scores meant anything, like if they made sense. Because apparently a B a B plus is not good. It's like yeah. eh. Yeah, and uh, Pitch Perfect 2 had an A-minus cinema score. Yeah. 
which is so stupid because it's like one grade difference, but it's like, yes, everybody loved this one. And then B plus like, oh, yeah, I've seen some movies that have cinema F scores and they ended up on my top 10 list. Well, that I mean, that's the thing is this. It's a gauge of how the audience is reacting. And this is what I'm talking about here is that it's if the audience isn't coming out for this film, then that's the problem that bodes the, the few, you know, as many critics love this movie, as many as you know, if, if so many critics love this movie and, and all your Facebook nerd friends love this movie, that's that's not good enough for the box office. And these things, you know, and I don't. And again, I think the, the reaction is super overblown. Yeah, because um, it's it's not a bad movie, and I I would recommend it, but it's not a great movie by any stretch. Unless you're unless you're the guy that loves desert car chases and you can't get enough of cars exploding. Apocalyptic. Well, I just – something interested you said – or you uh, interesting you said was that it's just badass, which that's a, that's a really good point because you have to – you cannot, you cannot uh, confuse badass with a great movie. Right. There, there are two separate things, and I think that um, – you know, it's it's if you look on Rotten Tomatoes and you, you can even check some of the glowing reviews and see, well, it doesn't have much for plot or there's not much plot here, but it's badass. Like it's you know, again, uh, there have been really cool movies that have been made uh, over the past few years uh, that didn't garner this type of reaction, and I don't quite know what it is about this movie that is making people like lose their minds. Um, but it's happening, and I think that I think that if people are going to walk into this movie, uh, to that they should seriously check their expectations a little bit. Yeah, I mean, by this point, it's uh, any kind of critical reaction you read is going to be probably leave you disappointed. I don't maybe, know, maybe I don't know. I, th- look, I mean, the reaction to this film is almost across the board, cr- like crazy enthusiasm. So I'm I'm assuming that you know we're in the minority. In not being completely taken by this film, yeah. but um, but the fact of the matter is that uh, it just doesn't it doesn't completely work for all of us, and that's the, there's a lot of uh, chatter amongst the nerdier people that I follow that uh, they're lamenting the fact that I guess in 2007 George Miller was almost handed the keys to Justice League, mm-hmm. and that he was going to make this Justice League movie. And they're like, "See, you got Zack Snyder instead, and you could have had George Miller." But this, they forget that this was like some crazy thrown together Justice League. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. And it was going to be like Army Hammer was going to be Superman. Yeah. Um, uh, who's the guy that was on the OC? And that was I thought on, Army Hammer was going to be Batman. Maybe I thought uh, I don't remember. Army Hammer was going to be involved, and one of the guys from the OC, um, not uh, the guy that's in Gotham now. Uh, the the dark haired guy that was in uh, Cop Out. <laughs> That's all I remember him from. Anyway, oh Adam Brody. Adam Brody was gonna be. He was either gonna be Batman or Superman. I think Army Hammer was definitely gonna be Batman. Okay. San Antonio, uh, a resident Army Hammer. Yes. Burt Bakery. Star of the Lone Ranger. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> he was the Winklevoss twins. Anyway, uh, bottom line. Let's go and go with grades. That's how it works here. Yep. <laughs> what do you What do you give it, Cody? Look, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be that guy. I can't recommend it. I'm gonna give it a C plus. Um, it's uh, for me again. This is just my opinion. 
but it is it is an empty spectacle. That's the that's the best way I can describe it for me. It's an empty spectacle. I can agree with that. Um, it's a it's an empty spectacle. It's an empty spectacle, but at least the spectacle was enjoying enough enjoyable enough uh, for me to do a, a B minus. Kiko, I'm going with a B minus too. Uh, Great action. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from it, but I needed it a little bit more. Out so. of, go ahead. And uh, I think out of all of us, I think probably I liked it more, even though we have the same grade. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How close were you guys to a C plus? I waffled. No, I a was pretty bit. solid on my recommendation. Um, the the thing about the action is though, can you even tell what's CGI and what's what's practical i think that's a little bit overblown what's yeah. going on because I, I mean look the spectacle's amazing I, it doesn't make it any more or less amazing t- to me that it was done for real or done in a computer well no, I, think, I, I think it does well I, I maybe after the fact but while you're watching it you're i i don't think a lot of people are actively going oh my god that's a real guy doing this blah 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 unless well, it's like tom cruise hanging off the side of a plane like in that mission impossible which when you see it you're like that could look way cooler yeah if they did it in cgi but yeah but they didn't want him to die. Right. So. <laughs> All right. that whole thing. Oh, they just wanted him to be alive. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, Far From the Madding Crowd. For when your time, it is past and gone. You can Victorian England, the independent and headstrong Bathsheba Everdeen attracts three very different suitors. Gabriel Oak, a sheep farmer, Frank Troy, a reckless sergeant, and William Boldwood, a prosperous and mature bachelor. Did I say that right? Bathsheba? Yeah, Bathsheba. Wow. She's a, she, another heroine, another female heroine oh. in this, but well, I 19th see, century. I didn't see this movie, what? but the two of you did. What the heck? Sorry, I had to work. The singing's a little misleading, I think. Oh, that's the that's the one song in the movie. But. <laughs> yes, it's not a musical. Yeah. Sorry, but anyway. uh, f- funny thing that she sings in this one like she did in um, Shame. Shame. Yeah, Shame was a little bit more. How much Michael Fassbender penis is in it? <sighs> Speaking of, where's a there's a picture several inches from Shame. <laughs> there's some Shame. Michael Fassbender looking, yes, I have looking, no shame. S- looking askance. I like that word. Is he looking at the tip of his penis? I have a Michael in, in the middle distance. There, <laughs> he's talking about my Michael Sheen uh, photos that Michael are hanging Fassbender. in Michael Michael Fassbender. You don't I, have Michael Sheen photos. I have, a, I have Michael Fassbender pictures of a Sheen penis. Yeah, when I hear Michael Sheen now, uh, all I can think about Jared is uh, is his Thirty Rock Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Oh, I said Michael Sheen because Michael Sheen's in this movie. Yeah. Wow. You didn't. You have, there was a there was a storyline uh, that um, that Michael Sheen when he was in Thirty Rock. And his his character name was Wesley Snipes, <laughs> and he was like, "Who sounds more Brit? Who who would you pick as a Wesley Snipes? The British guy or the like, like muscular black actor?" <laughs> it made sense. Thirty Rock, yeah. another another uh, callback yeah. to Pitch Perfect Two. Anyway, I didn't see this. The two of you did. Who wants to start? Uh, I guess I'll start. What we have here is a is a period piece, clearly. 
uh, and a remake. Um, well, it's based on a book. And right. The movie, uh, the the first movie was made when uh, was it the sixties? I have to check. Um, Thomas Hardy is the author of the original book. It's a uh, publication date is eighteen seventy four. So this is very uh, very old book. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's one of them books without pictures. Yeah, yeah, definitely no pictures in there. So, uh, you know, it's first of all, a uh, great cast, um, really solid cast of, um, you know, it's it's very much an ensemble. Even though Carrie Mulligan is kind of the the star of the film, but you also have, um, you know, Michael Sheen is in it, um, and then Matthias Schoenartz, mm-hmm. Schoenartz, close enough, close enough, uh, who. Uh, who has turned in some really good performances um, in the past couple of years. Uh, he was obviously great in Rust and Bone, and, um, and, I, and I really liked him. He, I thought he was the best part of that, uh, that Tom Hardy movie last year. Uh, oh, The Drop? The Drop. Mm-hmm. He was really good in it. Um, yeah, he, he was. He was really good. He, play, he has this like, uh, villain-esque type. Yeah, he's got a, a villain look to him, and but at the same time, a classic look because I mean, he doesn't play a villain here. Of course, he's a uh, you know the main uh, or one of the main love interests. Yeah, uh, I, I think that for me, the, this movie can be summed up in really great performances, really, uh, I guess s- s- I wouldn't call it subpar, but decent character development. And I think that's where it, it lost me a little bit. And, um, you know, this is obviously, well, not obviously because you may not know this, but it was directed by Thomas Winterberg, who made. Winterberg? Winterberg. Winterberg. Yeah. He's, uh, he made an amazing, amazing foreign film from a couple of years ago called uh, The Hunt with uh, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, if you it, The Hunt is on uh, Netflix. Um, Netflix right now. You need to, if you love foreign films or. Are interested in like, man, just some hard hitting. It's hard to watch. Hard hitting themes. Um, you should check it out. It's it's really great. Yeah, but one of the movies you gotta read. Yeah, it's subtitles. <laughs> and this is Vinterberg's, uh, I believe, is of uh, English language debut. So, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of like a love triangle film. Love quadruple language. Yeah, uh, yeah, a love the... re- re- uh, square oh. film. <laughs> <laughs> I want a love a rom- re- rhombus. A love a, rectangle. A love a love parallelogram. I like a love parallelogram. That's How many is that? Oh, it's the one that's kind of slanted, right? Yeah, it yeah. looks like it's italicized. Yeah. <laughs> An italicized, <laughs> italicized rectangle. rectangle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a love parallelogram. It's a love parallelogram. Uh, and uh, and then what I like, too, I mean, I, I, I've never read the book. Um, I think you that's... You read. Uh, yeah, well, back in high school when you're supposed to read, hello, it's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't one of the <laughs> it wasn't one of those the ones that was assigned to us. But I really like the characters. You said there's not a lot of characterizations, but I, what I did a lot did like about the characters is how different all these men are, and how she has feelings for all of them in a different way. And what also interested me is um, as she's trying to decide who to go with or what, you know who to fall in love with. Uh, she, she's also putting herself. She's defining herself as well. It's a very, it's very much a female empowerment story, right? So is she gonna go with this guy, you know, um, who is a little bit more demanding, uh, like a soldier, who's gonna kind of, she's gonna kind of take a backseat to him because she's a woman, uh, a, a business owner, um, 
or is she going to go with somebody else who's going to give her a little bit more freedom because she's an independent spirit type of thing? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I really liked about this movie is where she's trying to make this decision. But at the same time, when she does make the decision, she's also going to define who she is as a person as well. Um, so I really – again and again, the characterization – I mean the uh, – the performances are, are amazing in, in this. I think that this is probably the best cast film that I've seen this year. I mean, everybody just fits their character really, really good. Yeah, I, I wasn't I'm like thrilled with Tom Sturridge, but I felt like everyone else was great. I like Tom Sturridge, though. I think uh, there was something about him that was just really s- snaky. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think for me, the highlight of the film was Michael Sheen. Uh, uh, Michael Sheen's really good in this. Michael Sheen's uh, – <clears throat> it's, it's, it's almost like a really – a really almost profoundly sad character that mm-hmm. he's playing and mm-hmm. he's he he it, it's kind of a, a he's kind of a misfit in a, in a lot of different ways right and he plays it really well he plays it really subtly and really well um and i and i and i thought he was really great in the film um and just beautifully shot i mean everything looks great i mean yeah the vinterberg 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 i'm really gonna put him on my radar i mean not that i didn't already after the hunt um you gotta but, watch those germans yeah you gotta he's be not, careful he's not german oh he's not what no. is it he's uh danish oh, oh. racist anyway <laughs> <laughs> um racist why is that racist <laughs> i'm just kidding they're white just like me oh that's right you're allowed to you're the me. racist <laughs> Finally, the tables have turned. But um, yeah, no, I really. Uh... Oh, it's not his English language debut. I'm sorry. What, what did he make before? He made a movie. Well, I mean, I, he made a bunch of movies, but he made a movie called uh, Dear Wendy. It was oh. written by Lars von Trier. Oh, really? I've never, I've never had seen that. Jamie Bell and Allison Pill in it. Oh, cool. Michael Arangano, Bill Pullman. What a weird cast. Ang- Ang- Angerano, I should say. Uh, yeah. Um, so, as far as as far as um. As far as the film goes, like I said earlier, the, the characterization was what kind of got to me. I don't think that there's a lot of strong characters in the film. Uh, I just think there's a lot of really good performances in the wake of some flimsy characters. Again, Tom Sturridge's character, for me, um, doesn't really isn't really fleshed out to the point that I'd like him to be. The story is fine. Um, I think definitely, though, the draw is the performances, which are all kind of across the board very, very good. And, and the thing for me that kind of drops it down a, a little bit is just, uh, I mean, I mean, again, it's a late 19th century love story. So, I mean, it does get a little soapy. There's some soap operatics to this um, 19th century style. Um, Which is funny because they didn't really bathe much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God damn it. Everybody was so stinky back then. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, there's some cornballish type, you know, love things that happen. Um, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go with that. I mean, there's, I mean, hello, they didn't have, you know, Snapchat back then. (laughs) Wouldn't that be really great if they made like a period piece, but everyone had like cell phones and modern technology? Oh, it'd be totally. Wasn't that kind of the part of the joke in, uh. A Million Ways to Die in the West is that Seth MacFarlane's character was just really modern the way I, he talked. And I yeah, blocked that probably. movie out after I, I, I do not remember a lot from that movie. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so uh, grades. I'm I'm going with a B minus. I I I'm going to recommend it. I definitely <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, I I I expected a little bit more from Vinterberg after the hunt. I was hoping that Vinterberg. <laughs> I was hoping that. 
you know, the hunt is such a dark, intense character study, and 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 um, and it's really kind of dark, and and, and the thematic elements are really intense. Uh, I was hoping he would go that route again. This is fine. It's a it's a good, I assume, a good adaptation. I don't know. I haven't read the book, but uh, but really, he got some really great performances, and it looks beautiful. And uh, and so yeah, I'm recommending it with a B minus. And uh, I'm going with a solid B on this. I really liked it. Um, again, I think everybody was just really well cast. Uh, Shonen Terrace, Matthias, look out for him. Matthias. Matthias. Not Matthias. Matthias. Um. Walter Matthau? <laughs> yes, it's him in the movie. He's, He's back, Walter baby. <laughs> back from the dead. But yeah, no, I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, and uh, for a um, movie that kind of just... I, for me, came out of nowhere. I didn't realize that they were making uh, another one of these. Uh, Julie Christie was the star of the original back in 1967. Ooh. Julie Christie, um, I mean, she's a beautiful older woman now, but man, a young, a young, a what young. She, what has she done lately? <clears throat> well, she got an Oscar nomination for when she played the uh, wife of, uh, or she played the woman who had Alzheimer's uh, away from her. That's right. So, but yeah, good movie. Uh, solid B for me. Far from. Uh, the Mad Madden crowd. The Madden, John Madden. Yeah, far from the Madden crowd. That's where you want to be on uh, the day the game is released. Nah, <laughs> be far from the... <laughs> what? I don't like that joke. <laughs> I like how you were you were winding up for the like groan, and then you just went full on like pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the, that's kind of what happened in my head. I was like, uh, <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Okay, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, Tomorrowland. 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 And seriously, I've seen the trailer a um, million times, and I don't, and I didn't haven't read anything about the movie. Just watching the trailer because it's a great trailer. Um, I have no idea what this movie. I about. think that's the point. I, I'm. I'm. No idea. I gotta admit, I'm a little bit scared. Oh, that, totally. That it's gonna be that it's gonna be just some. Enigmatic mystery. Cody and I have been talking about uh, Damon Lindelof, who uh, you seem to think his work on Lost is unassailable. I think that I, I I think that his good work on Lost balances out the bad work on Lost. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't think there's many people that I know that followed Lost from the beginning that didn't end up disappointed. That, no, I totally agree with that. I thought the last season of Lost was, was but I mean, bad. like ultimately disappointed. Like they felt like. Maybe they had wasted their time. I don't know. Damon Lindelof is also responsible for maybe the best hour, one of the top three hours of television I've ever seen with the episode The Constant. Oh, well, yeah, that's Lost. a great episode. And that, that, was, that was... Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. <laughs> but he also, he was also, he fucked up Prometheus. He also did Nikki and Paolo from Lost. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that was... He fucked up also uh, Cowboy. I mean, Cowboys and Aliens didn't need much help, but... He's the one that was made the decision that I don't think Prometheus is as bad as people think it is. It's it's certainly people certainly do not like it. Um, yeah, I, I, for, don't, I don't think it's, it's that bad. It, there's a there's a pretty interesting cracked article about uh, that features Prometheus and how Lindelof basically came in and added the kind of what the fuckness of it. Yeah, like the uh, the fact that it wasn't the Nostromo. Uh, and and I didn't see it, but but he seemed to have at least in a lot of people's eyes redeemed himself a little bit with the leftovers. I think a lot of people dug that. Oh, yeah, I didn't watch that, but I, I heard it was not. I didn't hear great things. I stopped watching, but from a general audience perspective, I think a lot of people enjoyed it. But Cowboys and Aliens, while it's not a great movie to begin with, 
you can like you can smell him like in that mid movie reveal when all of a sudden Olivia Wilde is like, "Yep, I'm an alien. I've been an alien all along." Yeah, and I, you know what? I think I think the thing that 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 gives me a little bit of belief that this can work is that I think that Brad Bird and his abilities can sort of counterbalance whatever Lindelof. I don't think Brad Bird is going to let Damon Lindelof ruin or make too complex this family movie, which is ultimately what this is. I love the international trailer that like played up the whole Disneyland part of it. Yeah. Cause I'm a Disneyland. Yeah. I like sucker. that trailer a lot. Uh, but none of the American trailers have featured that whatsoever. Yeah. We'll, anyway, see, we'll see you tomorrow. Anyway. Uh, also Polter guy. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we're going to see it tomorrow. Yeah. Not everybody else is going to see it. tomorrow. Yeah. Unless you're listening to this on Saturday. <laughs> Next Saturday. Yeah. Poltergeist. There's a couple others too. Um, Poltergeist I'm really interested in because we've got we've got the stench of a stinker on our hands. Wait, what, Poltergeist? Yeah, did you not see the screening? The screening invite? It's, it's at it's at 6 p.m. on Thursday. Oh. So you're like, So oh. you've, you're, you've got like the double whammy of an early 6 p.m. screening and then Thursday screenings, which is never a good thing. Well, triple because didn't this movie get pushed? I think, I think it was supposed to come out late last year. I don't remember that part. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But you love the original Poltergeist, right? Oh man, come on! Yeah. You didn't? No, I did. Oh, it's great. See, I was telling Co- I, mean, I was telling Cody about it that uh, there's a rumor that Spielberg secretly directed that. Oh that yeah, because like you oh, watch it, you watch it, and you're like, shit, this is a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, you can totally see that, man. That scene in the kitchen with the chair is freaking amazing. <laughs> Just love it. Anyway, um, oh, back to real quick, back to um, Tomorrowland. Uh, I got a chance to interview Oscar winner, Oscar winning cinematographer. Um, Claudio Miranda, Ooh. who uh, won Life his Oscar with uh, Life of Pi. So I talked to him this past week about Tomorrowland. Is he that guy with that gorgeous head of hair? Mm-hmm, that's him. <laughs> have you seen him? Do you know what he looks like? I don't like? think I have. Let's see. You're going to show me a picture right now. He looks like. Uh, <laughs> my goodness. He looks like that character in The Matrix Part 2. <laughs> he, he looks like uh, the. Jason Isaac's character in Harry Potter. Oh yeah. Uh, what, what about the the scientist from Independence Day? Oh yeah. Doctor Oaken, yeah. played by Brent Spiner of yeah. Star Trek: Next Generation fame. Yes. He's a little more handsome. <laughs> he looks kind of like a uh, Steve Zahn in a fright wig. <laughs> in that picture, look at it. That's fucking Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn in a fright wig. I he love needs it. to go with the man bun, though. No, no man. No, no man should wear a man bun. <laughs> so we we've also got a couple indies opening, uh, Slow West. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, I, I believe Good Kill also S- opens. Slow West, Michael Fassbender. Fassbender, yeah. I I watched Slow West. So has his wiener in it? No, no wiener. Damn it. Sorry. Slow West, and what else was it? Uh, Good Kill. It's uh, Ethan Hawke plays a drone pilot. Wow. Anything else? Nope. That's it. We have we have. Next week's our one-year anniversary of our oh, podcast. What? Oh, we lasted right. this long, guys. I, I didn't think it would happen. Yeah, I thought that uh, despite Kiko's sleepiness, I thought that our, our relationship would have, uh, despite uh, yeah. the contentious battles we've had. Yeah, the, all the yelling and arguing, and but we're only at dep- we're, we're only going to be at episode forty-eight then because we've taken some we've breaks. taken some weeks off. But yeah, uh, also um, another thing next week. Uh, at least, uh, I believe Jared and I will be attending on uh, Friday night the John Williams San Antonio Symphony concert. 
Oh yeah, we have a date. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, and we find I finally I haven't been there. I finally get to go to the Tobin Center. I haven't been so to the Tobin Center either. I'm so. very excited to check it out. You guys haven't been to the Tobin Center, <sighs> but it's a it's it's called Star Wars and more. But they're gonna play music from Star Wars and more. Indian Jones, <laughs> ET, Jurassic Park. Man, that those ET and Jurassic Park. The Jurassic Park the ones are gonna yeah. Schindler's list. That's just gonna be sad. But the man, that Jurassic Park <laughs> stuff. You're gonna get goosebumps when they when they the I think it's called Journey to the Island is the uh-huh. track. Oh man, I love that shit. Which so one is? Much. How does that one go? Is that one that goes? That's dun, the, dun, dun, oh yeah, dun, when the helicopter's dun, landing. Dun, 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 that's so great. That's. Jesus, you guys have seen the Jurassic Park theme song on YouTube. That's done. Are you talking about holy fucking shit? It's a dinosaur. Uh, I don't know. This is this <laughs> look is up called, that. That's the oh god. This is the Melodica cover. Have you heard this? No. Who's Melodica? Is that I a don't band? Know. You guys have to hear this one. Okay. okay. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Look up, uh, <laughs> holy fucking shit, it's a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, I can't that, believe you haven't heard this one. That, I haven't heard it either. That video plays uh, a lot better with the yeah. with the video in it, but it's still really funny. What were they playing? Were the kids playing something or what? It was, it was the... Oh, no, it's actually... It's the scene from Jurassic Park... But it's, they just they just replaced they the just music. replaced the music and so all this like a beautiful amazing stuff's happening with that music. <laughs> play, play this video now. Okay. This is my favorite. Holy fuck, it's a dinosaur. Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Oh my fucking god, fucking dinosaurs. Holy shit. <laughs> was that playing with the scene too yeah yeah that, oh god <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. i love the internet oh yeah. that's awesome the internet's great anyway so uh that's next friday we're gonna be seeing that and talking about it i'm really excited i love the last event we went to for the symphony and movies was the star trek into darkness thing and that was really really cool i mean the, I, john williams i mean it's obviously legendary yeah that Superman theme, again, that's another thing that's – they had to work hard to get away from that in mm-hmm. Man of Steel because they even used it for Superman Returns. Yeah. But uh, just – and he's old too. Like he's 80, I think. Yeah, oh, he's – I think yeah, he's, he's in, in his, his 80s. 80s. Yeah. yeah. So just an he's amazing – Still amazing, working hard. Yeah. Yeah, and his, his, he's not as prolific as he once was. He's 83. Um, Why is he slowing down? But he still, but he still gets nominated for Oscars all the time. I mean, I like when he just goes and picks it up. He's like, "Thanks, here we go." 
Well, he's only won. Yeah, he hasn't won too many. I times. thought he won at least four. Mm. He's won five Oscars, yeah. but he's been nominated. But he's been what? nominated for f- forty-nine times. <laughs> not a very. Uh, it's a DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan. He's only wins like ten free throw uh, percentage. <laughs> he's only won ten percent of the Oscars <laughs> he's been nominated for. <laughs> More what than ten percent. What a bum! And he's got five. Like, oh fuck. He's the, he's the second most nominated individual after Walt Disney for an Oscar. 49 Oscar nominations. Wow. And he only does one thing. Yeah. He writes music. So, God, it's just, it's it's insane how... What if he did one other thing one time? Like he was a, like an actor. <laughs> like a pimp? No, yeah. no, like if something would be nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, because... nominated for that? Because, yeah, and there's several. I mean, in 1995, he was nominated for three Oscars. Uh, he's been nominated twice in the same category several times. Because uh, I guess back in back in the day in the Oscars they did best original dramatic score and best original musical or comedy score. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, because he's been nominated for a bunch of those. Like one year he was nominated for best dramatic score, best musical score, or musical or comedy score, and best original song. So. Wow. Anyway, that should be fair. Dude's a legend. Like, like we needed to confirm it. Like, yep, <laughs> all right, it checks out. You know, if, you know, if, if it would have been like, if it would have been like thirty-five nominations, uh, you know, it's all right. But forty-nine, yeah, I guess he's, I guess he's a legend. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kiko and I could just hum the whole theme to. I can hum most of his stuff. I think. You guys, can you guys do Jaws? Just do a podcast of all that. <laughs> oh, Jaws. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, mm-hmm. guy. He was mm-hmm. he was nominated for best original score for Home Alone. Oh, that's a great fucking score. Wow, I didn't realize that. But that's I awesome. Yeah. Um, Home Home Alone. I want to say it's like. Oh, that's totally not Home Alone. What is that then? I don't know. <laughs> He actually hasn't won an Oscar since 1993. Schindler's, Schindler's, Schindler's List. List, yeah. Wow. Slacker. But he's been nominated like you know. Oh, I mean, and times. God, the I, I know people dislike the movie, but the Duel of Fates uh, from Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, that's a crazy piece of music that gets that gets used all all the. What are you What are you doing over there? I heard noise. Oh, I nothing. find the Home Alone theme. Can you? Yeah, probably. While we're talking about it, Home Alone is. Um, I don't. Where, um, what was the music? I was. Are you ready? Do, yeah. do, do, do. Uh, do, 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 that's very Elfman-y. Yeah. Man, that's perfect like Christmas theme movie music. It's like he's an Oscar winning composer or something and knows what he's doing. Yeah, seriously. Alright, that's, right, that's enough. We're not a we're not a score podcast. I, just, I mean look, I needed twenty seconds of clean audio without Kiko humming over it. <laughs> Anyway, we've gone way far afield here. That's going to be next week. That's kind of our. That's kind of our. I was inspired. I was inspired to hum. 
What was the music I was humming? That's what I want to figure out. Can I, <laughs> can I Shazam my yeah, humming? Yeah, you can. You can. You can Shazam uh, humming. Can you Kazam it? Hold on. Let's see if we let's pull up Shazam and see if we can do it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what I was humming. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I think I already know what it is. Like. Sorry. <laughs> Shazam cannot identify singing or humming. <laughs> you fucking liar. You just said it could. <laughs> no, it couldn't find yours. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't accuse me. It's, I'm just the messenger. You're trying to get me to invest in this app, and it can't even do what you want it to do. It's an original uh, composition by Jared Kingery there. Yeah, it, like if it couldn't do it, it would have been like, it would have been like, comma, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to figure this out, and we're going to post a breaking news update on it so yeah a special podcast that's 30 seconds long it's like oh uh that thing it was uh this okay anyway if you want to reach us you can email us at podcast at if you want to let us know if any plagiarism also yeah please let us know cody's really if you plagiarize cody's original music i um, will find you yeah uh you can call us at 920 film 210 920-3456-210 you can call us leave us a message of your humming you can give Please. us high fives if you see us at screenings. Yeah. A pat on the butt is nice. Uh, a good game. Pat on the butt. For Jared, maybe. I don't... I'm, I'm good. It's just, it's just a good game, man. It's a good game. I'll take a pat on the butt. Yeah. If you see our banner, uh, <laughs> wave at it. Take pose with pictures that show us. Why wave? I just... I don't know. Give it a high five. Give it a high five. Take a picture of yourself kissing Cody on the banner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the lowest mouth to the ground. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It just sounds dirty. <laughs> I don't even know why. The lowest mouth to the ground. That's the name of my band. <laughs> the lowest mouth to the ground. Featuring Cody Viafania. Cody V kicking back. Oh, callback. <laughs> I like it. All right. For all of these people who have listened to all hour and 30 minutes of this. Okay. So that's going to do it. Uh, anything else? No, I don't think so. Just stay tuned for our next announcement for Alamo Draft House, which yeah. hopefully should be coming in the next week or two. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafano. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.